I can't provide service to someone, I have no business even talking to them. Right. If I don't believe it, right? You, you have to believe in what you're selling in order to be effective. Like you have to believe it's actually helping people. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hey, our sponsor for the show today is Pine Financial Group, the leader in hard money lending in Colorado and Minnesota. And they were recently approved to offer their investment publicly. This investment offers only for investors in Colorado and Minnesota and is only made through their investment prospectus. Get your copy today. Simply visit www.pineinvestments.com and click to get started. Look, there's a reason why some of the wealthiest people in history invest in loans backed by real estate. Learn more about the risks and returns at www.pineinvestments.com. Hey, and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexammer. With me today, I'm excited to have Scott Pekarik. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Um, well, Scott, can you give our listeners a little bit about your background, what you got going on today? Sure. Um, you know, uh, I don't know how far you want me to go back, uh, you know, to the birth of uh, Jesus Christ, but, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah, I've been accused of, uh, thinking I'm the Messiah at times. Um, that's that whole, uh, ego maniacal, nar- you know, narcissism in me that, uh, comes out from time to time. But, um, I am, you know, currently I'm a real estate broker. I have an agency, Verde Real Estate Group, that has about 25 real estate agents, um, about 500 doors under property management. So we, we look at ourselves as kind of being that A to Z solution with, you know, white glove service. Uh, personally, I own about 100 doors, uh, some with my wife and uh, some with partners, the majority with my wife and I. Um, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to, to both routes and, uh, we'll probably get into that today, but, uh, you know, currently, um, pretty active, you know, with more helping people buy and sell, uh, and, and working on training our agents, uh, have not been a very active buyer this year. Uh, and we'll, again, probably talk about that a little bit more as to the whys, but, you know, it has a little bit to do with, you know, pricing and, uh, you know, ROI and I, I, I require a little bit higher ROI than we're seeing in the marketplace right now, uh, simply because I, I know how much work goes into what we do. And if you, um, and, and, and different people have different levels of that, you know, depending on what their backgrounds are and what they're used to. And, you know, and that's fine. You know, we're not here to, to judge what your number should be, but, but help you decide, okay, this is what my numbers are. Um, or this is what I need to get out of it. You know, is this property a good, you know, a good solution for me or is it a good investment opportunity? And, and there's so many variables, as you know, Todd, that go into that, right? There's some properties are just inherently more work, you know, depending on their condition, you know, the age sometimes, the, uh, the, uh, types of, uh, you know, the, condi- you know, types of, uh, mechanicals that are in there. Right. And oh, yeah. you know, the age of them, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, some people, you know, people always say, you know, well, what's, you know, what's a good price for this property or what's a good, you know, return on investment. And I always like the, the, the only tr- like truthful answer you can ever give someone is it depends, you know, depends on what you're looking for. It depends on what level of engagement you're going to have in the maintenance of the property. And, um, and so on and so on. So I got off topic. Uh, you got to rein me in, Todd. I'll, I'll warn you for your listeners. Scott has a tendency to go off into the wild when he's asked the question. By the time we get back to the question, uh, you'll be old and gray. So um, anyway, a uh, little, that's just fair warning if you're going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> we might start talking about ROI and cap rates. And I'll be talking about, uh, you know, existentialism and um, Tibetan monks. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try to restrain myself today a little bit. So Perfect. Well, let's, let's dig in a couple of those things. Cause you mentioned how, you know, that depends and that's true. I mean, we, everybody's got a different strategy too. Not, not only do you have different ROI expectations, but you have different strategies out there. Uh, what's, what's your kind of investing strategy and why aren't you buying in 2019? Well, what's my strategy? Well, it depends, Todd. 
Mm-hmm. Um, no, <laughs> it, well, it does. You know, I have done ever like, you know, I, I did not my career or my, my vocation uh, dreams never had real estate agent, real estate broker, real estate investor in them. I grew up on a dairy farm in central Minnesota and I, you know, living off the fat of the land, you know, just like uh, Lenny from uh, Mice and Men, you know, that was, uh, I had a very limited mindset back then. And, and uh, I had a very, uh, you know, closed mind for lack of a better word, because I didn't understand the possibility. I had no idea what real estate investing was. Yeah. So it wasn't until you know, I was, uh, went to school, went to college. I got a uh, four-year degree in seven years, uh, which is very impressive, I can, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, congrats. Most, yeah, most people are doctors, right? And, uh, you know, are lawyers or attorneys or whatever. And I, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I've got a four-year undergraduate degree from St. Cloud State University. However, um, you know, I got into uh, uh, MIS, uh, Computer Information Systems, and I was a tech guy. And I read the, the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You know, Robert Kiyosaki is one of those you know, you, you have moments in your life where everything changes, right? And hopefully for the better and sometimes not. And we, we're not going to talk those stories today, although they're very exciting, the, the things where life changed for the negative for Scott. But that book changed my mindset, you know, and that started, that started me on this journey. You know, I read uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, uh, Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And it was just this complete paradigm shift for me. Um, how does this relate to real estate? Well, that got me into real estate. I'm like, I, I knew I did not like sitting in a cubicle, you know, even though I, you know, I worked my butt off, um, you know, companies like Target, Ernst & Young, uh, it taught me a level of professionalism and dealing with, you know, office politics and stuff, which serves me well today, yeah. you know, running a company. Like I, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything in the world. Like in, in most experiences you go through life, you know, sometimes the negative ones are the ones you learn from the most, right? Not that I'm saying that one was necessarily negative, but it just wasn't who I was. So I, I got into real estate by a friend of mine. He bought a four unit and a four unit property. And back in 2002, one, two, three, uh, this friend, I'll name him, name's Grant Bernardi. I spent time with him last night. You know, I went to college with him and I met him when he and his friends walked out on a tab when I was working at Perkins. So, hey, Grant. He, Grant's the only guy who came back the next day to pay for his meal. <laughs> so, so, like, you know, like, you know, he's a you know, higher quality person than you know, some of the other guys he's hanging out with. Uh, anyway, so I remember a conversation I had with Grant. He's like, you know, I was talking about real estate, this, that. And he's like, Scott, you've got to get off the fence. Quit talking about it and go do something about it. So what I did was he bought this four-unit property. I went and got my real estate license. He let me market it for sale. And what he did was, he, con- you know, we were converting it. He's like, I want to convert this into condominiums. All right, mm-hmm. this is what I need to do. So he'd owned it for a couple of years. So I went and learned from one of my mentors at the brokerage I joined up with uh, the process of converting a rental property into condominiums. Yep. And not that I, I didn't do it just to sell his property because that would have been a very short term, like look at it. I took the knowledge and I started sending postcards out to everybody who had a multi-unit in the uptown area in Southwest Minneapolis. And I said, you know what, here's this property. We're converted to condos. And at this point, um, we had just put it on the market and I said, I can show you how to do that too. All right. So what was I doing? My approach there was to use this event to market myself as in, I was a new real estate guy. I, I had no experience and I'm like, I'm going to show you how to do this. But I had a big vision and you know, I, the phone started ringing. I partnered with a guy with experience. He'd been in the business like 15 years. So when I marketed us, I'd say, yeah, 15 years combined experience. I had like 15 days, 15 minutes. And then we like, we, we started getting people who were responding to our postcards and this, uh, this led into like, you know, 100, 200, 300 units that we sold over the course of the next five years until about 2008. Um, and we were able to charge like a good fee cause we were providing a high level of service. I remember I would send out a card and I'd say, you know, sold in, you know, five days, 10% over listing price, you know, and, and, and people just ate it up because it was true. And they're like, this guy can provide real service. And like a lot of times in our industry, people think we're entitled to commissions. We're entitled to clients. We're not really entitled to any, you know, for, to anything. No one is right. There's an entitlement mentality sometimes in this business. And you know, what, what, what drove me was always being humble, knowing, look, if I can't provide service to someone, I have no business even talking to them. Right. If I don't believe it, right. You, you have to believe in what you're selling in order to be effective. Like you have to believe it's actually helping people. And I know there's snake oil salesmen out there that, 
you know, will, you know, cram people into something that doesn't make sense, you know, just to, to earn a quick buck. Well, you know, that's a real short game. So when you ask, you know, now this is me talking about Tibetan monks. I understand based on the question you asked, but what, what, what that did is it got me in the business and got me realizing um, I wanted to be in business for the long run. Right. So when you talk about my investment strategy, it's the same strategy that when I got into the real estate industry, you know, 18 odd years ago, whatever it is. And I realized like, I want to, I want to build a career where I'm going to be here, you know, long after everyone else drops out. And I've taken a similar approach to like real estate investing. Uh, even though I've, I've done a lot of like your, you know, buy to rehab, to resell, you know, some people call them flips. I mean, whatever. I mean, a flip is, you know, you know, some people call flips an assignment, you know, and, there, and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with, you know, doing an assignment. And those people that don't know it's, you get a contract on a property and then you market it to other investors and say, you know, I want to make 10 grand or whatever yeah. the number is because I found the seller and, right. and then they go and rehab a property, which is, it's completely ethical and completely, um, to me, I, 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 you're, you're actually helping people in that process. Because a lot of times you got a motivated seller, right? Who, yeah. You know, and the property's in terrible condition and, and a lot of times it's in a state and people just don't want to deal with it. Anyway, so I took a long-term approach with many of my investments. And, uh, but here's, the, here's what happened. It got to be about 2006, uh, 2006, seven. I'm like, oh my gosh, this market is crazy. Like for those of us that, have long, you know, don't have long-term memory disorder. We remember what's going on then. Like you could basically, if you could teach your dog to bark its name and, and put a paw print on a mortgage, they'd give you money. And I remember just thinking, there's no way. There is absolutely no way this is sustainable. This is going to, this is going to explode. And this is like the end of 2006. So, hmm. and so I basically sold everything between then and 2007 and uh, had like two properties left, two like houses. And, and then, of course, I was really smart because, uh, question for you, Todd, do you know when the market actually peaked? In, uh, Probably was, early part of 2006. Well, it was actually May 10th, 2007 at 12.03 okay. p.m. Because that was the exact moment the money in the, my house that I was buying hit the seller's bank account. And that's a house I sold two years ago. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure I lost about $200,000. And all the improvement that I did, it took me 10 years to, to realize a loss of $200,000, which has no taxable event on your, uh, you know, you're, you're exempt up to 500000 gain, you know, with your wife. And of course, I'm the guy who figured out how to lose money. But anyway, you know, what I did was in 2008, I started buying again, 2008, nine during the yeah. crash. And that was again, purely long term. And I remember you could buy a house, $25,000, $30,000. You could yeah. buy it. And, and, and I went and bought like 40 or 50 of those, either myself or with a partner. And I remember I was buying these, when I started out, I was buying these houses cash. Yeah. All right. And I was like, okay, so I had like 10 under contract and I needed like Three, four, five hundred thousand dollars. I don't know what the number actually was, but I do know the number I had in my bank account was about eighty, and I had ten houses under contract, supposed to close in like thirty to forty days. Uh, some were short sales, some were REO, and I'm like, how am I going to do this? <laughs> how? But but I knew I had to buy. This is like 2009, 10. I knew I had to get them because I knew that these houses you could buy for thirty or forty grand. Uh, you could rent them out for twelve to fifteen hundred dollars. Right. Right. So I found a bank that would let us buy the house cash and fix it up. And in the fixing, after you fix it up, they'd appraise and they'd give you 70% loan to value. So if I buy a house for, I don't know, say $40,000, say $35,000, you know, a lot of times fixing up was paint and appliances, uh, flooring, you know, you could five, six, 7,000 bucks have like, you know, a house that was very rentable and in decent condition. And, you know, I, put that money in and the bank would come in and they'd appraise it for say $60,000 and you get 70, 70% of that, you get 42 grand back at the close of minus nice fees. So I was basically able to buy these houses for like no money out of pocket. You know, you know, they're, they're, you paid for them, but then you got your money back. Got your money back. Yep. It was fantastic. So that led to like where I am today, you know, buying those properties. Now I've sold some of them now. It's still long-term play, but then you're moving it into, you know, a duplex or a four unit or, you know, selling a few of them and then buying like, you know, a 10 unit or something. So, yep. so anyway, what, what my, my goal is, you know, some of these things are, you know, it depends on the, the, the opportunity, right? Cause in that period we were buying homes and then rehabbing them and reselling them too. 
And, you know, what happens when you buy, you know, do that, then you, you got to pay short game, short-term capital gains, you know, but whatever. If, if, the, if the property, you look at the property and you decide, you know, does this, you know, what's the, the highest, best use, and then you overlay what your strategy is. And that's kind of how you come up with, or that's how I come up with what's the, the best route to go. And you talk about today, like, you know, you look at the prices and, and they're just, most of these properties, overwhelmingly, you know, I'm not saying you can't find value. You can, you got to hustle. You got to really look and you're going to have to probably do a lot more work uh, than you did 10 years ago. I um, can't believe it's been 10 years, but, but you, you, one of the reasons I'm sitting out a little bit right now is just because it's taking too much work, you know, and I have, uh, you know, I have twin five-year-old boys. So I'm deciding that I'm not going to work, you know, eight days a week, 25 hours a day, like I used to. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm, and I'm going to wait for a little correction, you know, in the market, because for me, it's not worth the, the amount of time I'd have to invest to, uh, with the returns there are right now to, you know, to justify that kind of, you know, time expenditure and then miss out on the time with my kids, you know, and, and I'm fortunate enough, I worked like a, a maniac for, you know, my whole life to be able to be in this position. I'm 46 years old, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. Uh, I'm definitely not old, I'm not elderly. I've, plan to live another 50 years but you know but you know you change priorities in five years my kids are going to hate my guts because they're going to be teeny almost teenagers and they're not going to want to be around me so might as, well, might as well enjoy it now and make the memories and go through the dark ages you know for five or six years until they go to college and want me to write them a check so you know that's my strategy <laughs> so chill out for a little while hang out with the kids then they hate you work really hard and then pay yeah for yeah yeah so i can pay for their college you know? <laughs> in the cycle <laughs> uh i gotta love it um and so you so you got the investments so you've got your brokerage and you've got the property management company uh tell us about those businesses and and maybe uh, a couple things that you've learned along the way that have really helped you grow those businesses because before we jumped on you've got about 500 units that you manage. You've got uh, 25, I think, real estate agents, you said. Um, so obviously, you've grown those businesses to be something. Uh, and so I want to learn maybe maybe three success uh, tips that you can give our listeners to really growing those uh, businesses. Hmm, good three. Uh, like right now, there's like 300 because I, every uh, time I make a mistake, it's like a lesson. Uh, but I will say number one is uh, don't assume that you know what people don't know. Mm. Uh, and and that's, that's, that's one that I have to constantly remind myself um, of, you know, like you, cause you, a lot of times we fall in the trap that we think that we know that people, I don't want to say that they're smarter then, then we, you know, that we assume they're smarter than they are. Cause that, that, that sounds negative and I don't want to like, you know, be disparaging. I think what it is, is, is that we all have our own experiences, right? We all have our own perspectives. We're all unique, uniquely awesome in our own way. Right. And that you've gotten, you know, especially once you've been doing this for a couple of decades, you start making assumptions that, you know, your experiences, you're like, well, that's just how it is. And that's how things have worked. And then you, you assume other people already know that or, or yeah. they might have had a similar experience, but they're coming from a different perspective and, and, you, and, you, and you make the mistake of not asking questions. Yeah. And, yep. and I've done that, you know, where I'm like, yep. I just assume like you, it, it happens with uh, mortgage financing all the time where you get agents who've got the best of intentions in the world or mortgage brokers or loan out, whatever, you know, bankers, where they assume that the buyer knows uh, don't quit your job the week before uh, you are buying a property, right? Or people right. will, people will say, "I'm going to be a real estate investor." So they 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 shift out of their career that they've had for you know 20 years, and they're like, "Okay, now I'm ready to start buying." Like, well, no, you're actually not because you're not going to get a loan because you quit your job. Right. Or they go buy, you know, they they make that awesome, you know, buy that two hundred thousand dollar boat, you know, or whatever, which which sounds awesome, but it 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 screws up ratios and stuff, and and. and you really have to like bring it back to basics with people and just say, okay, I'm going to tell you some things that you might already know, but I'm going to check the boxes to make sure that you do actually know it. Or you at least know, you know, it, cause I'm trying to position you the best way I can to uh, make sure that you can um, achieve your goals. So, you know, don't assume that people don't assume to know what people don't know. Yeah. And I think also, it's so 
common for, for that because we've done it so many times. We've repeated the process and it's easy to forget like where you began. And so right. for me, like I've made that mistake plenty of times, especially hiring people. Like just, you just hire somebody and you give them kind of the outline and this is what you got to do. And then you go, obviously, obviously they know what they're doing. Cause I know like that's not, that's so easy to me. So I, it's just going to be, right. and you wonder why they're not getting anything done. Well, it's because they have no freaking clue what they're supposed to do, but you just assume that they knew it because it's automatic. It's obvious, right? Because I know right. it. Like, you must know it too. Like, right. Right. it's when you really bring up easy stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, like why, why, didn't, why don't you know this? Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and the reason we know it, like, you, I'm sure you're too, Todd, because you probably made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And you're like, oh, damn, don't do that again. Right. You know, yeah. and, and, and yeah. you learn those lessons and learned it over 10 years. Yeah. And it, you know, it comes down to like, you know, hubris a little bit too. Like you got to fall on your face enough yeah. time. So like, you know, and, and, and it's good to fail. It's so good to fail, especially yeah. early on, because if you, if you get the, you know, I saw it in, well, I'm seeing it a little bit now. I saw it the last time we had a market correction. You have these guys have this meteoric rise, you know, and then, you know, they, they don't have a lot of adversity because the market's lifting them up and correcting yeah. any mistakes. And then if we get a correction, you're going to see a massive, um, just, you're going to see the, you know, the, 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 implosion. the blood, you're going to hear yeah, the implosion, the blood curdling scream mm -hmm. of these people because they finally ran into real adversity. And, you know, you know, hubris is a big word. And this is another, I guess, another lesson, like, um, you got to check your ego. Like I, you yeah. know, I do this a lot, especially like, you know, people are like, Oh, Scott, you live in the dream, the life of your dreams. I'm like, hell no, no way. I'm like, cause you know why? Cause I could have never dreamed this big when I was growing up. Like I grew up, we, we were the poorest people in, in our school. Like we had, like if there was a government program, we were on it. Food stamps on it, free lunch on it, uh, medical assistance on it, uh, heating assistance on it, you know, government cheese, you know, that was like a food group, you know, in our house. Right. And we were the farmers. Like we were like getting free food, even though we were the ones growing the food. And, you know, I think about, you know, the money itself doesn't make you happy. Like it doesn't like, I remember, you know, a year ago, I was like, just miserable. And I was like, I didn't know why. I couldn't understand why I was so miserable. I'm like, well, you know, I've done, you know, TV told me that if you got, you know, all this, you know, you got a successful business, you got rental units, you've got good income, you've got some money in the bank, uh, nice cars, nice house, great wife, great kids. Like, and I was miserable. Like I was absolutely miserable and I couldn't figure it out. And, you know, the problem was, is I was attaching so much significance to things and thinking, okay, if I get the next thing, you know, the, the, the new car, a new house or the next building, you know, like, you know, like this is going to make me happy. Yep. And, you know, you know, happiness isn't something that, you know, is, is external, it's internal. Right. And, and, you know, I went on this, uh, this, I went, I did this thing called warrior week. It's this thing in California and it was, it was phenomenal. It like reawoken, like the part of me that. I'd kind of been suppressing where it's like, Hey, just be happy with what you have. Right. Whatever that yeah. is. You know, I remember being yeah. like happy as a kid growing up with nothing, you know, and I got to play with that six brothers and I get to play with my brothers every day with some old cars and stuff or go pretend that we were like army men in the woods or something, you know? And, <laughs> and, you know, you, 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 you have to like find that, that, that ground, you know, like that's a lesson, like no matter where you're at, like just ground yourself. And it's funny. I read a, I, I've, I've lost money on one deal in uh in real estate like it's it's an you know it was a really good streak i was on 2017 the peak of the market like when things are going greatest i bought this house in uptown for way too much over 400 and i thought i was going to sell for close to a million and then i like over improved it and you know did about everything wrong you could possibly do and i ended up losing like a, like six figures uh it was it was just like and i remember looking through my books and I, and I read, I found this book, the richest man in Babylon, uh, George Clausen. And if you, if every kid should read this book, it's written like a fable and it's about, I don't know, a hundred pages. It takes, yeah. you know, you can read it in an afternoon. Yeah. I read that. And I read that book. It's the third time I've read it, but I hadn't read it in 15 years. And I just kept thinking this is, you know, I'm like, I, I need to make a commitment to read this book every year. Cause if I would have read this book, I would not have made that mistake. Uh, I would not have like, I, I would have, you know, I, I, you know, again, the mistake of hubris, right? Like this, this, your, your ego get in the way. And I'm like, no, I'm going to be this high end developer. Right. And I spent like $400,000 rehabbing this place. And, and uh, I'll tell you that the, the funny part, the funniest part is 
I got audited on 20, the 2017 return and the damn IRS agent made me revisit that property. And I had to go through every expense, which I had, like I keep meticulous records, meticulous. And I had everything, I had photos and everything. And I'm like, you know, I just told her, I'm like, you know, this is actually the universe or God telling, you know, reminding me that don't forget this because this is what happens when you when you let your ego get the best of you. So Hey, let's take a minute to thank our sponsor, Pine Financial Group. Look, you work hard for your money. Is your money working hard for you? Because of inflation, money sitting idle erodes your wealth. Many investors understand that real estate is a great investment, but may not want the effort or the risk that comes with owning their own property. They want to sit back and have payments, hit their bank account each and every month. Stop eroding your wealth and start building by asking your money to work for you. You should be earning profits while you sleep in investment backed by real estate. Pine Financial Group, the leader in hard money lending in Colorado and Minnesota, was recently approved to offer their investment publicly. This investment offers only for investors in Colorado and Minnesota and is only made through the investment prospectus. Get your copy today. Simply visit www.pineinvestments.com and click to get started. There's a reason why some of the wealthiest people in history invest in loans backed by real estate. Learn more about the risks and returns at www.pineinvestments.com. It's www.pineinvestments.com. So, you know, so I guess number two would be check your ego. Check your ego, right? Because yeah. your ego, your ego will, will bite you in the ass every time. Like, and, 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 and the, the better you do, I'll always understand that you're just one bad decision away from screwing it all up. hundred uh, percent. Yeah. Easy yeah. to get sloppy. Yeah, it is. It is. And you know, the, the numbers matter. Like yeah. the numbers are the scoreboard. Yeah. yeah. You know, Bill, Bill, or uh, no, Bill Parcell said it best. You are what your record says you are. Right. And just cause you've always made money is no guarantee that you're going to keep making money. You know, past yep. results are not, you know, don't guarantee or past whatever. Yeah. No, no. What is the phrase? I can't remember, but I know. Or no, no guarantee of future whatever. Results, game. yeah. Yeah. You know, and then the last one, number three. Again, it takes me a while to get to three. Imagine if you said 300. Um, the, the, the last one is stay curious and ask questions. Hmm. Like yeah. you've got, like, you know, kids are, I've been talking about this a lot lately, but the mind of a child is amazing. Like in, in, in you know, it's this idea just because it's the way it's always been done doesn't mean that that's the way you should keep doing it. Um, you know, children ask questions like, you know, and we, and we should ask questions of our clients, right. And ask questions of ourselves and ask questions of our employees and make sure that, you know, we, we, we don't forget about curiosity because curiosity is what is, is the, is the father or the mother of creativity. Right. And, yeah. you know, I, you know, I, I, I'm always amazed by the questions our kids ask because with kids, Everything, you know, all things are possible. Like yeah. they live in this amazing world where life hasn't beaten them down, you know, beaten them into submission, you know, where you get cynical and sarcastic and you're like, well, that's never going to work. Cause you know, just because, you know, I'm bitter. And, you know, it's just like, if people were more curious, you know, with regards to their life in general, regards to like their finances, more curious in regards to their health, their, their, their own choices when it comes to nutrition and health, uh, more curious when it comes to their, their spouses, there'd be less re- less divorce, right? Uh, ask your spouse. Hey, I'm like, I remember I got on a plane. I went to a, this genius network event in Phoenix a few weeks back. And uh, I was reading this book, The Road Less Stupid. All right. Uh, Keith Cunningham, The Road Less Stupid. And like one of the things that has been rekindled in me is curiosity. I'm reading way more than I, than I have in 10 years. Um, and I'm a, I'm a, I love reading. It's like my favorite thing to do. I love learning. And I forgot about that. We talked about last year going, you know, going to Warrior Week and, and stuff. I forgot how much I loved learning. Like I quit learning. And uh, he, I was like, my wife and I were kind of arguing. And I'm like, I wonder what the hell she wants. And in the book, he's like, yeah, I met uh, I was the guy, Keith Cunningham, the author. He's like, I'd just been divorced. And I was like dating again. And, you know, I decided, you know, I was like, met this woman. She seemed really cool. And I decided like, maybe I'll just ask her what she wants out of a husband. <laughs> Like maybe I'll just sit down at this first date and say, Hey, what, what are you, you know, what do you want? And she's like, you know, to be loved and adored. And he's like, well, what does that look like? You know? And she proceeded to to give him stuff for like two hours that he wrote like for two hours. And so often in life, so many of the problems, you know, we have all these questions. Well, I wonder what people want. 
I have an idea. Maybe go ask them. Right. Like, you know, like the, you know, my, cl- my, my employees are sitting here right now. Like, you know, hopefully they can't hear me. No, but, um, yeah, hopefully they can hear me. Like, I wonder what they want. I ask them, what do you want? You know, like, what do you want out of the workplace? Like, you know, well, we want to be respected. You know, we want to be, uh, you know, treated with respect. We want to learn. We want to grow. Uh, we want some flexibility, you know, so I don't have to like be here from 830 on the dot and leave at five on the dot. And, um, you know, we want to be a part of something bigger. You know, it's what I came up with, what they told me. And I'm like, all right, I can do that. I can give you that. I can give you all of that. And I'm like, the only thing I asked you guys, and you talked about hiring people like this summer, I ended up hiring like four or five people and like having to let most of them go because I didn't know what I wanted out of a culture. Hmm. And through that process, I, I learned what I wanted in my office. Yeah. And, you know, and I told them like, what I want from you guys is I want you to like each other, but you do, you know, like they like each other. Like you can't force them to like each other, right. but I want you to work together and cover each other's six, you know, cover each other's butts. All right. And when one of you guys needs to get away, you understand that the other people are going to take care of your work yep. and then you're going to do the same when you come back. Yep. And, you know, and then, you know, the curiosity as applies to like our clients, ask them what they want. Like, I think I have my goals for real estate. You have your goals, Todd, and which might evolve and change, but don't, we can't assume that our clients have the same goals. Right. You know, and sometimes we just try to tell them what they want, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. We know so much that we're just going to tell them everything they should know and should want to know. And, you know, all this, just assuming instead of asking a simple question. And, and it's, it's like, yeah, I mean, again, ego, like, well, you know, I know what you should want, right? You know, like yeah. I want you, I want you to, you know, I want all my clients to have the level of wealth that they want to attain, right? Yeah. What yeah. does that mean? Well, it depends. Like, let's talk about that. Like, you know, you get these guys, oh, I'm going to be the next, you know, billionaire and like, you know, in next year, or, you know, I'm going to be, you know, like hundred million dollars in, you right. know, 12 months. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You tell me. How yeah. You yeah. <laughs> Write a book about it. You know, I'll be the first one to buy it. You know, you know, it, it's a reason they call it, you know, it's work, right? Like you, you, you know, it's a get rich slow thing. And, and you might get lucky in a few deals where, you know, we've all had the home runs, right? Where, yeah. You're, you're going for a single and then all of a sudden you connect and it goes out of the park. Well, it's nothing you did, right? Like sometimes there's external forces that just, that'll lift you up and, yep. you know, but if, if you're hitting, if you're shooting for home runs on every deal, that's a game plan for disaster in my book. Yep. hundred percent. Great. Um, so I'm sure you've been in this business a long time. You've probably made a mistake or two along the way. What's one mistake you can point to and how have you learned from it? Ooh, just one. Just that, one. That is. Um, That's tough. I know. Yeah, you, you know, it, it's there's some easy ones that you can like look back to. Like I always wish I would have like wouldn't have bought the the house in 2007, right? Yeah. And you know, yeah. uh, and then we remodeled it. Like the the the, the exact moment. Uh, That's actually kind of a funny story. So we buy this house. It needed just a ton of work, and we paid like I don't know, almost six hundred thousand dollars for it. And, and yeah. Smart, right? 2007. Good timing. Um, so it just shows you like, you know, I'm in this business and I'm, I make some of the stupidest mistakes of anybody. Yeah. And I try to help people like not make them like by telling these stories. Right. So we bought this house and then we're like, we lived in it for a few months, six months or whatever. And like one day my wife came home. She's like, I'm just, I can't handle it in here. I'm like, I'm moving to this condo and we're going to get this house remodeled. So, which was fine. That was the plan. And we had just sold a house that we rehabbed. So I, I had, I don't know, $150,000 cash in the bank. And this is right before the, the crash. So uh, this is 2008. So it's probably a year after we were living there. So we said, okay, let's get the demo. Let's get all these bids. So we move out and they dropped the chimney down. They took the back half of the house off and like the, the house was like wide open. It was like gutted. And we're like, okay, well, I got this 150 grand. I'm going to pay off a couple credit lines that are, that are open. They're open credit lines, but it's the responsible thing to do. And I'll write the checks as needed to pay for the rehab, which seemed like a very logical thing to do. Well, about eight seconds after the back of the house had been tore off, I get a letter um, from the bank where I just paid the credit line off where it said, uh, yeah, by the way, we're canceling your credit line uh, because, and, 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 and we're closing this down. And the only thing that you can have here are the loans you still have open and we expect you to pay those off. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? This is all my money. Like, this is all my money. Like, like, to do this rehab well as it turns out i won't name the bank but they were under uh receivership from the feds 
and they um, basically were being taken over and going to be sold because they had written, they had done so many bad loans, like everyone yeah. did in two thousand, yeah. you know, up to two thousand eight, and then that's when the, the bottom fell out. So I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I've got a two hundred thousand dollar rehab project here. Uh, I'm living no in money. like, yeah, with no money. So what I did is I, you know, I said, all right, it's like Butch Cass. I tell my wife it's Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, and that's uh, the Mexican army out there. And, we got one way out. It's that door and we better come out guns blazing. So we worked, we worked so hard. Like we, you know, I got, I got signed up with all these banks and um, uh, asset disposition companies that were basically getting rid of foreclosed homes. And I hired a guy, what I did is I doubled down. I hired a guy to sign me up for all these banks and getting in with all these different um, asset managers and stuff. And that next year, 2009, I did uh, 250 transactions, real estate oh. transactions with one assistant and a couple of support people doing like broker price opinions and property checks. And then the next year, I think we did, uh, we did like two, 260 or something. So we had about a three or four year run where I had like unit volume. Uh, I was number one at, uh, you know, big blue, you know, Cobalt Banker at the time. Uh, and listings and, you know, I was top five for a number of years. Like I just worked, I just said, we're going to work, you know, and we're going to get our way. We made this mistake, you know, it wasn't, you couldn't have really seen it coming, but you kind of could. And I'm like, we're going to work our way through it. And, yeah. you know, there's nothing like hard work to get your, you know, when you make a mistake, you know, the other one I talk about, you know, let my ego get the best of me with that house, you know, losing a hundred grand. But, um, you know, if I, if, if I could go back, you know, and given, you know, I would have, bought more real estate back then. Um, you know, but at the time I got a little myopic, you know, where I wasn't an active buyer so much in 2008, 2009, because I was so worried about this house that we were remodeling and like the money that I was putting into it. When in reality, if I would have bought 10 more houses, I would have probably made a couple million bucks. So, yeah. Yeah. Easy, easy in hindsight. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, but in 2008 and 2009, this is what I tell people. Cause I started in 2008 and people are like, Oh wow. What a great time to start. Well, yeah. Now looking back, but everybody in 2008, 2009, 2010 told you you're stupid. You're an idiot. You're crazy. You're going to lose your butt. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, every, and the banks weren't giving away money during that time. <laughs> so, no, it was chicken story. The sky's falling yeah, and, you know, yeah. all over the place. And I don't believe in our lifetime we'll see anything like it. Um, yeah. We might see something hard to say, but different, you know, like it, you know, there's a, you know, a debt bomb. A lot of people think are, is coming, but you know, who knows? Um, yeah. I don't, I'm not doom and gloom, but I am is, you know, take the data you have available. Um, do the best you can with the, the data. Don't, don't disregard the data. Don't have confirmation bias. We only look at the data that you think is, you know, supports your point of view. Always have, you know, a trusted team of people around you that can like talk you off the ledge, you know, and, 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 and throw the bucket of cold water in your face when you need it. Um, that is key, you know, mm -hmm. like, but, but not, you know, but then there's the other people that, you know, are always looking to protect you so that you don't, you know, you won't go out and, and, and risk anything. Right. And, you know, Hey, you know, just put that 2% a month into your 401k. Not that that's bad advice, but it's, it's also, there's this whole world of possibility that exists out there. So you need to surround yourself with people who have, you know, been there, right. Yeah. And try to find a mentorship team. And a lot of times that, that can be tough because these people have, you know, the, 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 the more success they have, the more people that either, you know, they want to be around them. Yeah. yeah. And there's some people that want to bring them down. Right. Because yep. they're, they're bitter and, and yep. they're, and they're, and they're, and, and they have envy, you know, of other people's success. Me, I think I want everyone around me to be the best that they could possibly dream, you know, and in and, and that, in that, in that process, I want to like be a part of that, like be a part of seeing, you know, Utah, if there's a way I can help you, I would love to do it. Right. Like, you know, it, it's, it's not, it, it's, it's humbling to like see other people succeed and, and know that you in some way had a part in that, you know, even right. a small way. Cause you're like, you know, uh, and that's such a powerful place to be. And I wasn't always there. Right. I had a lot of envy, you know, growing up, you know, and like, I'd see people that, you know, Oh gosh, that guy's got, you know, 500 units and, you know, drives nice cars. Well, he got lucky. Right. That was, that was his, that was his parents, you know, doing it. No, 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 no. It, it, you, 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 it takes some guts. It takes some courage. When it's your, you know, even if, even it's, you know, there's a certain point you leave the nest and, and it becomes real. And that's what you find out who you are. And I, you know, it's funny. I, 
I bought the book Tools for Titans uh, a couple of like a year ago, whatever. And I opened it up this weekend for some reason. It's Tim Ferriss. He wrote Tools for Titans. Great, great book. Talks about all these, these um, millionaires and billionaires and how they achieve their success. And you know, a lot of it, the stories are awesome. It's like a lot of hard work. Like success comes dressed in overalls and looks like hard work, right? So that's, that's what it is, you know? And I'm sorry that, that some of you out there who had a different dream, it's not, it just, it just is. So there was a foreword of the book and I started reading it. And it was, um, you know, it didn't take me long to figure out who it was, but he was talking about, you know, when I came from Austria, um, you know, I worked uh, basically as a carpenter and, you know, basically a bricklayer or something. And um, I'm, I don't have the, the facts and completely accurate, but he's like, you know, people say that, you know, I'm self-made. He's like, there could be nothing further from the truth. It's like, I don't believe anyone's self-made. There are people along the way who, who serve, you know, I'm, I'm going to use my own words, but, but just serve as beacons and help, you know, you calibrate, you know, as yep. you go and change your tra- yep. trajectory. And he's like, it would be the height of narcissism, narcissism if I ever said I was self-made or if I ever agreed to that, if I ever actually believed that. And the guy was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it was like, for, for me, it was a reminder. Like, I don't think it was a coincidence I was reading that book uh, yesterday because it's just a reminder, hey, look, you cannot do it by yourself. Or if you, if you think you can, you're, you're missing out on, on, on part of the gift. Like, you know, and then, you know, I was recently diagnosed with brain cancer, like in August. And the only thing like I can do is like, I want to help other people, you know, who, who are like, I started a YouTube channel and stuff and not to pontificate on this, but, but like my goal is to, um, you know, I'm, I'm battling this through integrative uh, methods and stuff. But my goal, I started a YouTube channel called Tumor Tales because I'm doing videos almost daily talking about what I'm doing to try to get, to, to get through this because people have had success and I'm trying to, you know, and my goal there is not to give people medical advice, but it's to tell people, be curious, be creative and think about the possibility. You know, I, I could have been take this as a, a death sentence, yeah. but I refuse to, right? I, I, I compare it to a, a 2001 when someone said, hey, Scott. I was working at Target Corporation and the guy's like, Scott, you're a great Java programmer. You're so good. And I remember his name was Keith. Great guy. Wonderful guy. And I'm like, he's like, I teach at St. Paul College. I want you to teach Java there. And the, and the dean of the university wants you to, to, to teach it too. Will you go talk to him? I'm like, I felt really bad because I didn't really want to do it. Um, and I'll tell you why in a second. So I go meet with the dean and he's like, yeah, you're great, Scott. We want you to start three weeks or I don't know, two months or whatever. We have this Java class that we've got out here, but we have no instructor. So I'm like, a Java programming. You know, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Well, here's the dirty little secret. I, I basically only knew how to spell Java. I had never programmed any <laughs> so programming Java. So I signed up to teach a 17-week class in Java programming at St. Paul College, not knowing a damn thing about it. So I stayed one chapter ahead of the, the students every week, it was a Monday night class. I remember my Sundays are horrible. I should have been sitting home watching football, happy and fat. But I, uh, I was like cramming Java. And then I'd have a lot of guest speakers to kind of mask. Yeah. But, but I felt like I gave the class a service because I did teach them. I did know what I was talking about when I was talking about. And I brought in like, I don't know, a dozen industry professionals that they can network with. Yeah. So when they got through this class, they could actually have a network when they got out that they get good jobs. So but anyway, that's my job my story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. Love the stories, man. Um, all right. So we got to wrap up. I'm going to ask you a couple more questions before we do wrap. What's a favorite business or real estate uh, book? Um, favorite business or real estate book. Wow. Oh my gosh. You, um, I got to think for a second here. I mean, Keith Cunningham's Road uh, Less Stupid is one that, that I've recently read. Uh, anything by Gary Vee is awesome because Gary Vee just has energy. And like, mm-hmm. I, I think he probably annoys some people. I don't care. I think he's great. Yeah. Um, uh, well, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, all those books are fantastic if you want to get into real estate. Yeah. And uh, Donald Miller, Building a Story Brand. I was just in Nashville. I love that a, book. Oh, fan. Donald Miller. Uh, I don't have man crushes on too many people. Um, particularly men, but, uh, no, but, but <laughs> Donald Miller is like the, like I, we did a one day, um, business, uh, development session with Don in Nashville, uh, two Fridays ago mm. and it cost me King's ransom, but it was worth every penny I took. turns out I ended up taking three of my brothers, uh, my brother-in-law, sister-in-law, my wife, uh, and it didn't, wasn't meant to be a family event, but we had like this 
fantastic seminar with Don. Don is exactly who he is on his podcast and his business made. I got to put a plug in for business made simple university. Don has created this business made simple university, business made simple.com. I don't, I don't get any royalties here. Uh, I just believe in he's created this to go head to head with every business school in America, hmm. every business school in America. Um, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a moonshot for him. It's a, it's a very aspirational goal. Um, but I believe in him and I've done, I've taken some of the courses just to test it out. And it's amazing. It's, it is real raw, relevant, like to today's business challenges. It's, it's incredible. Don is an incredible person. I got to interview him. Uh, it was one of my goals this year was to interview Don Miller for our podcast. And he was gracious enough to let us do that. And it, it was like one of the highlights of uh, this year for me, because it also was what it was, was it was the power of intention, right? When you yep. actually say, I'm going to do this. Yep. And then you see it happen and, and you, and, and that just, it just makes you feel like, yeah, all things are possible in life. So uh, anything by Dan Sullivan, strategic coach, Joe Polish, if you want marketing, um, the three, the three, uh, three amigos are, uh, well, there's actually four, but um, richest man in Babylon must read. It's like five bucks, five bucks on, um, on Amazon as a man thinketh. Mm-hmm. Um, that is powerful. It's 30 pages of power. If you, if you don't ever read another book, read as a man, as a man thinketh it's about mindset and it's a quick read, but I mean, every paragraph is powerful. Um, obviously think and grow rich, Napoleon Hill. Gotta read it. Gotta read it. Uh, how to win friends and influence people. I'm on four now, probably like six actually, uh, by Napoleon Hill or I'm, I'm, um, no, not, uh, how to friend Carnegie. Uh, Carnegie, Dale Carnegie, and then uh, Ogman Gino, the greatest salesman on earth. Uh, those are those are all powerful. They're easy reads, and you know, you make your kids read them. Like if if they ever want another meal, make them read one of those books. You told me you'd be long winded. You didn't warn me. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. you said I want to interview. I'm like, well, how many days do you have? <laughs> I got uh, I got one last question before we wrap. What are your three pillars of wealth creation? All right. So three pillars, I would say, you know, own, own and run your own business. Right. So, yep. you know, you know, try to try to, you know, I'm not saying just go quit your job and start your business today, but you know what, build yourself a bridge out. I, I got my real estate license and I, I spent 15 months building a bridge out of my, mm-hmm. it was a six figure job I was leaving. I mean, I had to, you know, I had to build some confidence that I was going to win, you know, and I, yep. I, I've never looked back. Um, but I've had some great mentors from my days at Target and, and uh, Fair Isaac and stuff that I, I've called, I've given call out, you know, recently on Facebook. Um, so own and run your own business. Um, you know, I don't care if it's a hot dog stand, own the hot dog stand, <laughs> right? So um, invest, invest in, in into real estate, invest wisely. All right. So um, invest, I'm just saying invest in real estate, invest in um other things, um, you know, other people, you know, your time and, and energy. And then I would say the third is you have to, and, and this might be number one, but surround yourself with advisors who, uh, who are where you want to be. Like that's, you know, invest in education, invest in, 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 in education from people, invest in education from books, invest in education from seminars. I've spent over six figures this year in education for me. All right. And my team, it's it, why, Cause I want to be better. Yeah. Like I want to yep. be better. I want to be, be the best version of myself. And I owe it to, you owe it to yourself to be, to do that. Like to, you don't want to look like, you know, everyone do this. If you do nothing else today, write your obituary, right? Right. You know, take, take 15 minutes. You don't want to take three hours. Right. Cause then you can like edit, but take, give you set a clock, take 15 minutes, write your obituary mm-hmm. and then, and then take another 15 minutes and write a letter to your wife and kids. If you're married, and, and, and have children, if it's your wife, kids, whatever, and write down, because I had to do this this year. I do that warrior week. Write down what you, you know, you just found out they, they, they died in a car accident. Write down what you wish you would have said to them. Take 15 minutes, set the clock, write down what you wish you would have said to them, and then write your, you know, write your obituary separately and tell me what, and, and tell, and then read it back to yourself. If you like what it says, you're comfortable with that, you're, you're in a better place than I am. So, wow. That's that's that could be powerful. Yeah, there you go. Cool, cool. You want me to keep going? No. no. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> All right. So last, uh, last thing, how can our listeners get in touch with you? Okay. Um, I'll give you my cell phone number, 612-600-8888. That is my personal cell phone number, 612-600-8888. It is easy to remember, too easy sometimes. Um, if you're a renter of mine, no, just kidding. That's a great cell. Uh, so you, did you request that? Cause that's you know, a perfect uh, cell phone number. Everything's a story with me. Okay. So, so what happened was back in like 2004, I had this guy, I won't name his name, but I remember his name like it's yesterday. And he would, he, he was a little, um, a little bit of a pain in my butt. Uh, he was helping with some of the, the rehab projects. He was really just a, a day laborer kind of guy. Nicest guy in the world though great guy like if i met him today I'd, I'd give him a hug like really like wonderful person just not real skilled in the trades and the and that's the other thing that's the other advice if get good at the trades because i'll yeah. tell you what there's opportunity there you don't even get me going but um but he he kept calling me he called me way too much i saw this number always i'm like i used to dread it i'm finally like well, wait i i want i want that number so i said i'll tell you his first name michael i'm like i'll give you 400 bucks and a new phone can i switch can you switch out and take a different number and I'll, I'll take your phone. He's like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. That'd be awesome. So I got this great number, uh, you know, had ever since. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, he got 400 bucks in the new cell phone. I got like the, the easiest number in the world to remember. So That's awesome. Yeah. My company's verde dash real estate.com. That's uh, if you want to you know go there, okay. but just text me on cool. my cell phone. If I get hold of me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Scott, it was, it was a lot of fun. Appreciate you. Yeah. Appreciate you coming on the show. A lot of, a lot of good stories, a lot of good advice. Definitely appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Todd. Yeah. Really enjoyed good, it. Have a good rest of the day. All right. You too. A special thanks to Scott for joining us on the show. Appreciate uh, him taking the time out of his day and adding a ton of value. It was a lot of fun. A uh, couple things I took from this episode. First of all, he talks about checking your ego. Uh, sometimes we get, maybe we think we're a little bit better than what we are, or we start to get overconfident, just check your ego, make sure that uh, you're being humble and that you're still being consistent and moving on and, and not just assuming you've got it all figured out. Uh, he asked, or he said next, stay curious and ask questions. Make sure uh, you're always learning, always asking questions and staying curious. And then the other Thing he said is just surround yourself with great advisors, surround yourself with people that can support you and uh, help you along the way. So those are three great things that Scott said among many others. So take one thing out of this episode that you really got from it and apply it this week, every single day and make sure you're applying it every single day. Uh, and that's going to help you get to the next level. Thanks for listening. I'm Todd Dexheimer. Have a fantastic rest of the day. Make every day Saturday. Thanks for listening to the show. A couple things before we go. Again, go on to our Facebook page, Pillars of Wealth. We'd love to have you on there. Go on to iTunes. Give us a rating and review and subscribe to the show. Also, um, you know, don't forget, reach out to me if you want any help with uh, potentially growing your business and reach out to John Styles to help you buy or sell real estate. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Have a fantastic the rest of the day. And as I say, make every day a Saturday. <laughs>